Hey everyone, Greg Meskel here. Welcome back. A brand new episode of What's Good. We're talking with a tremendous athlete and the Olympian a medalist, a two-sport athlete here, Manio Mitchell. Manio, thanks for being here. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me. Hey, your your story is uh, such a fun one. It's it's one I think a lot of athletes can relate to in that uh, you've overcome adversity, you've expanded kind of your horizons, you're a track athlete, you're you're working on bobsled. But one of the most famous stories people know you for, right, is this London Olympic Games, this 2012. You know, I went back and watched the video. The premise that <laughs> you break your leg and you still finish out your part of this relay and it leads to eventually a medal is almost incomprehensible. Those you shouldn't be able to say those things together, right? Broken leg, right. Olympics, uh, podium results. It's been obviously nine years but when you think back on that on that moment and that memory what kind of comes to mind yeah um it you just you just dated me a little bit I didn't realize it's been nine years <laughs> sorry <laughs> I know <laughs> uh no that's that's crazy to think that you know it's been that that long it feels like it was maybe maybe not a year ago maybe two years ago or something like that but just time flying um I don't know like it was obviously a, a turning point in my in my life and career both on and off the track with everything that went down um, but I think it's just a testament to just um, how I was raised, you know what I'm saying, like how I was built up. But I know that I did something that was more than just for me. It was for more than anything, my teammates and, you know, those three letters across my chest, USA. And, um, of course, everybody that, you know, is rooting for you and has, you know, been there for you all that time when all the times were hard and rough and all those things. So, you know, it's something I'll never forget. But I didn't realize it was that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it pure adrenaline that that allows you to push through a moment like that? Um, honestly, I'll say um, for for each its own. For me personally, it was like I said those aforementioned things, and then of course, just if you really if you really break down like a a typical season for for me, you train four to six hours on a given day that includes weights and, and running and plyometrics, whatever it is. It's, it's usually about four to six hours every single day. Uh, more than just the Olympics, but we'll just say for a race that takes place once every four years that lasts 44 to 45 seconds, probably might want to keep running if you put in all that hard work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but more than anything, you know, just the way my coach trains me and the way that, you know, I am mentally, I'm more of a mental athlete than I am physical. Um, I feel like if you don't have anything, if you don't have this intact, then none of this stuff that you do with your body is ever going to work for you anyway. So I was very, very spiritually, emotionally, mentally in tune with my body, not only in that moment, but in every moment I try to be. So, um, of course, add a little bit of adrenaline to that. And then you got a formula for being successful. This this whole pandemic time, the last 12, 16 months has there's been a premium put on mental health, right? How people have been able to deal with adversity in, in any number of ways. We were just talking about your four by 400 in London. That was also a year where you were a world champion, right? So I imagine you have gold medal aspirations. How, how are you able to process the results of what happens at an Olympic games like that, where I imagine you go in wanting to win a gold, but then there has to be a part of you that thinks like we were just discussing, Hey, it's pretty amazing given what happened to you that you end up with a medal at all was, did it take time to kind of shift and feel and feel better about the result, given what the plan was going in? Yeah, um, for me personally, I um, I knew that I gave all I could in the moment, um, and and that's what I've always been taught, even from a young age, is just 
try to give your best effort. And sometimes you may not come out on top, but if you give your best effort, you exhaust all of your attributes, your energy, your talent, then that's a win for you. So um, I think going in, that was the plan, just to try to give my all, inspire generation. Ironically was the uh, phrase or the, the coin term for the yeah. Olympic games in 2012 was to inspire a generation. And um, look no further than what I did, um, not to boast or brag, but look no further to, to that moment than, wow, I inspire generations. People continue to talk about that, but um, it's just crazy just to think that, you know, just one, one little moment can change your life forever. Um, and, you know, I was blasted on a pedestal and, you know, I, I never really, I was always a shy guy growing up. I never really liked speaking out or, or talking in front of people. And now that's what I do for a living when I'm not racing. So to be able to, to have that moment and, and to have that adversity that we all go through um, on a given day, just to be able to experience that and to, to flip it and make it into something positive, um, I think is what's the best story of all. One of the many things you do, and you just hit on it, right? Public speaking, talking to groups, whether it's a corporate group, athletes, teams, what, what is a message that you deliver or something you talk about that it, it hits on every audience, the, the guys in the office, uh, the people at a school, the young kids, is there a thing that everybody dials into and relates to? Yeah. Um, I think when I go in the room, they already know that it's going to be sport related. Um, but I think I hone in on just never giving up no matter what you're doing and just being the best version of yourself, um, whether that be in the corporate world or if it's an elementary school class I'm going to read to. Um, I think the story of, of my life, which is just weird to even have a, a life story because I'm still living. I feel like there's so much more to be written, um, but to just to just tell back on like everything that I've gone through, the adversity and, and how to get over those obstacles or get through those obstacles. I think people can relate to that in many different situations. So it's always cool to see, you know, the, the grown adults, like people coming up to you and like, hey, uh, I really enjoyed that. I, I've been dealing with blah, blah, blah. And just hearing that has inspired me to go back and do this. And the same thing for little kids, uh, whether it's something athletically or if they're taking an EOG test or whatever it is, just to make sure I'm giving my best effort and that I leave this room after speaking with them. I want them to be better than they were when they walked in, when they walk out. So that's that's how I that's how I see it. Tokyo Olympics a year delayed, but now coming up this summer, and uh, you you have a great story I know about about your son kind of convincing you to give it one more go. I want to come back to that in a minute, but when you look at 2016, just kind of reading about your your lead up to that, it it sounded like you personally didn't feel like maybe you were there physically, mentally. When you think about the lead up to that. What what didn't go right for you, and and after that was was track just a done deal for you? Where where did you kind of put the sport in your mind? Yeah, so I was I was dealing with some some inner family situations, um, equipment issues, sponsor issues, um, you name it. Twenty sixteen was a year full of adversity for me. I thought twenty twelve was that, but twenty twenty sixteen was was rough. So going into the games, I qualified for the games. I had the standard, and then I qualified for the trials and um, went to the trials, went out in the first round, just mentally shut down. I was just not mentally ready uh, with everything that I was I was going through at the time. I tried to conceal it. I tried to, you know, get through the workouts. And then, of course, a lot of people don't realize, like, right after 2012, I didn't just bounce back. I was I was back on the track the following May 
uh, at the pin relays, uh, running for Team USA again, running faster than I was before the year uh, that I broke my leg. And just mentally, I could be in practice and I get to where it was in London where I broke my leg and I just shut down like my body was stopped. So I knew that was a mental thing. So I had to do some mental training. And that doesn't just happen overnight. That takes years. That takes months. Sometimes people, you know, the Tom Brady's of the world or the Steph Curry's of the world, it may take them a little less time. Uh, but if you're honing in on that skill, sometimes it takes a little bit of time. So for me personally, it took a lot of time because I was still dealing with things and still trying to be at peak performance and the best shape of my life uh, to be one of the best in the world at what I do, which is very, very hard in this sport um, to hold that spot. So um, I just tried to channel in on that. So 2016 was, yeah, it, it was full of turmoil, lots of different things. So going into those trials, I just was not ready. Physically, I was ready. I was more than ready physically, but mentally, I just didn't, I wasn't in tune with everything. So that's why I've really been, you know, forcing myself to to get better at both of those things at once. You, you hear uh, coaches and athletes in any sport talk about limiting distractions. And if, and if things aren't right away from where they perform, it's, it's going to bleed into what they do. It sounds like you, you really lived that, right? You had all these other things going on. And even though on paper, right, physically, I'm sure someone saw you walk out to the track that day and say, he looks as good as he ever looked. He's ready to go. Right. But the rest of it's just, just not there in, in, in the years to follow. How did you, work through those things so that if something else came up, you kind of had a way to deal with it? Um, just training strategies. Um, I told you I uh, started doing a mental training. I started doing repetitions on that. So if you're out on the track or, or whatever the sport you're in, you do a lot of repetitions of, of one thing over and over and over, and eventually you get back, you get better at it. So for me on the mental side, I, I continue to do a routine. So I go to practice and I made sure that from the time I got up to the time I went to sleep, I had it all outlined what I wanted to accomplish. So goal setting, purposeful training, stuff like that. Um, and I made sure that no matter what, because obviously you, you, we don't know what's gonna happen from one day to the next as far as what can happen to us or, or for us or whatever. So what I did was I made sure that I was in tip top shape as best as I could. And I was ready for and prepared for the worst, but hope for the best in every situation. That's how I kind of, channeled that emotion and uh i'll tell you what really stuck out for me and still t does to this day still hit with adversity all that stuff but what i make sure that i do is i don't carry that over into the training session i eliminate that distraction um whether it be social emotional all that stuff it's gone and maybe i can address it you know before practice and then get to practice it's closed practice is closed i my mind i need to be solely focused on what i can control which is how fast I can run right now and then, or how heavy I can lift right now or how fast I can throw or how far I can throw that ball, whatever it is. And then after practice, after I've cooled down, after I've had time to, you know, really settle down and, and, and channel those emotions back to Manio, the dad, then I revisit those things. I'm like, what could I have done better to fix this situation? Or what can I do to, to get me through that situation? Now I write it out. I pinpoint it and we eliminate it. That's how we, that's kind of how we operate now. Manio, the dad inspired to keep going, right? By, by your son, what's that moment like? Or maybe it's a couple of conversations where he's kind of interested in you doing this and then you go out and try and do it again. Yeah, it was back to 2016. Um, I was really dealing with a lot of different things. I had a car accident near fatal. 
um, right after the trial. So again, just turmoil, 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 adversity, adversity, all kind of hurdles. And I'm not the best hurdler. So I just tried to deal with these things as they were coming and it was just coming too fast. So um, went into 2017, um, reevaluated 2018 U.S. champion. So it was just ups and downs, U.S. champion indoors, 19 second place U.S. championships. Um, and then 2020 comes and I'm like, you know what? Before COVID hit, I'm like, I don't even know if I want to I want to do this. And then that's when he hit me with, hey, dad, I want to go to Tokyo. Take me to Tokyo. And I'm like, well, we could go to Tokyo if I make the 2020 team. So I'm like, that's the, all the inspiration I need. Like he knows like dad is working hard and to do everything he can to provide for us. And no matter what situation I've been in, he gets to see me get through those situations with him. And I talk him through things and, and teach him things along the way. So I thought what better motivation than that? So I started training back again and then boom, COVID hit. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, could this be any worse timing? So uh, we stuck it out and then, uh, you know, another opportunity presented itself uh, with bobsled or whatever, which is just crazy. I never would have thought that I would be running on ice and jumping in a metal bullet for lack of a term <laughs> and hoping that we make it down in all pieces. So, um, but yeah, it, it's just, you know, hard work, dedication is, is what gets you through most anything, not just athletically, but anything, any endeavor that you, you seek to go for. Um, but having that little that little chip on your shoulder is a good thing for me because he's that chip. So I always know that no matter what I do, my name, my likeness, none of that stuff really matters is if, if it doesn't pertain to him. So everything I do is to uplift him and to put him in the best possible situation that he can be in as well. It's it's great that he kind of provided that little nudge to kind of get back out there. But you're just running through your results. And so the way you're performing in 18 and 19 it's like you're trending towards going after this again. What was it a, about the premise of the Olympics before your son intervenes that you were thinking, I don't want to deal with that again? Well, it was just um, wanting to get into other things, um, wanting to be more involved, not that I'm not, but more involved with family and, and going after like business tensions and things like that, that I wanted to pursue. Um, I, I, I just came to a point where I was like, you know, my body, after the car accident, I dealt with an Achilles injury, almost had to have surgery for that, had plenty of injections and all that stuff for that, uh, PRP and all these different things. And it was just really, really hard on me mentally to try to get back to that because I'd have a good day of training and then I have a horrible day and then I'd be off for a week or two. And then it's like, you know what, you become complacent in, in what you can and can't do. And for me personally, like I had all this severe weight gain and I had to get with my my dietitian, my nutrition or whatever, and, and really dial in on that stuff. So just, I had so much going on that I was just like, you know what, track and field is, is really the result of all of this stuff. So maybe I should just eliminate track and field and move on with life. And, you know, it was, it's just beauty in the struggle. I, I call it because um, in that same struggle, I was still going out to practices and seeing that I was at an elite level and running what would be close to PR times. So I was like, you know what, I have to stick it out. And that right there, like shortly after I made a decision, like, I think I want to go try it again one more time. And he was like, yeah, daddy, I want to do that whole situation. So I was like, I have to now, like he, he's holding me accountable for at least trying. Like, I don't want him to see that I gave up and that's what he felt like I was doing. So uh, he's a, he's a good CEO for me. He's a good <laughs> that's CEO. Excellent. excellent. Uh, 
trials are are still to come here, so still to be determined uh, if you can if you can earn a spot here for Team USA. But you've you've been through it now, where you went, right? Won a medal, had the injury. Sixteen, we know the adversity there. What what is success this time around? I mean, if you're able to make this this U.S. team, have you already figured out what what you'll accept as as a successful appearance? Even getting there is enough for me. Um, of course, you want to go and you want to medal. And when you're on the four by four hundred meter relay team for Team USA, you're expected to medal. Yeah, um, that's just a given. Um, that's not being cocky or anything like that. That's just how we operate. Um, no matter what four guys are out there or four girls are out there, we're, ex we're expected to get gold every time. Um, and when you have that in the back of your mind and you've been there before, just getting there is enough because you already know what's going to happen when you get there. Um, but for me personally, just making the final at the trials, just even getting it to the trials after all I've been through the last four years or five years now is, is enough within itself. That's a testament within itself. That's a, a easy win. But to make it to that final in the 400, and then we'll do the work. I think that's 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 how we're looking at it right now. Just make the final, make the final. Have you had to have have that conversation now, given the recent announcement about fans and people traveling? I know part of this was your son going with you to Tokyo. Uh, I know yeah. there's still some work to be done, but it doesn't look like there's going to be able to be families in attendance. Right, and and that part sucks a little bit. Um, and it kind of puts a, a, a damper on everything. But at the end of the day, the goal is still the goal, whether they're there or not. Um, they're there in spirit or whatever the case may be. Um, so if if it if it happens the way that I see it happening, then I think they'll be happy either way. You're the latest uh, track and field athlete to make the foray into bobsled. You've seen some of uh, your former Team USA teammates, Lola Jones, Lauren Williams, do it and be very successful. You get a call out of the blue to kind of give this – a shot uh, for for starters. What is it about track athletes that translate well to bobsled? Um, force production, um, the the biomechanics that are that are used in track and field very transfer very easily to the sport of bobsled because of being able to break the inertia of getting the sled to propel forward um, and having the speed behind the sled to keep it going and generate that speed to go down the ice uh, from the ramp. Um, makes the sled go faster as it goes down the ice. So um, I think that's why track and field athletes appeal to the coaches and, and the staff and, and the pilots, of course, as well. Um, sometimes it, it's a little different, and I'm still new to the sport, so I'm still learning as I'm going as well, which is pretty cool to, yeah. to learn another sport. I feel like a little rookie or whatever. <laughs> um, but um, to be able – to transition is it's pretty tough though because of the weight the weight indifference um for track and field for example for me my running weight is like 180 185 is what we're pushing right now uh but for bobsled i got up to like maybe 220 um in a span of three months so uh started at 180 went up to 220 and now going back down has been rough but it's worth it and i and i love i love the challenge i love the challenge it makes workouts a little difficult from the beginning um, as we've transitioned to fully track now after the bobsled season has been done. Um, but I, I love the challenge and it makes me work a little bit harder as well. So it's just, again, that chip, like, Hey, if you want it, you need to go get it no matter what the situation is. So, yeah. When you're kind of obviously building up that speed, you know, as, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of, uh, the push athlete here, right. In many instances to try and get this thing going once, once you're into the sled, what's your responsibility after that? 
my responsibility is to just hold on tight and uh, <laughs> and try not to not to move much. That's my responsibility until we get to the end. I'm the brakeman, so I'm pulling the brakes and making sure we stop before we hit concrete and or go off the ice. So it's a lot of responsibility, a lot of responsibility. Also, as the brakeman, you're the one that, and foreman, you're the one that pushes the handles in um, after everyone's in, and you're also the one that kind of like sets the tone. So it's like back set ready, and then boom, and we go. So it's almost like being on a football team. It's it's, it's like all the sports in one. It's it's a it's a it's like a four by four on ice. So I, I love that part, uh, being able to get with my guys and uh, just all have one common goal, and that's getting down the ice as fast as possible, as safe as possible, as smooth as possible. And you know, when we finish, it's just so much adrenaline right before, and then you're in there, you don't really see anything. But if you're like me, and I know most guys know the track, I've memorized the tracks that I've been on, and I've memorized um the track for Beijing as well like all the tracks that I haven't been to I've memorized them already so I know what I'm going to feel like or what it's going to feel like when I get into turn 12 or turn 16 or whatever the case may be just because I'm a student of the sport now so I had to be I had to catch up really really quick um so yeah I, I love it I, I I think that I think I could be very successful in the sport and like I said it's not about me it's about you know doing what I can personally individually to to best help the team whatever the team may be whether it's usa one two or three or, or whatever the case may be red white or blue i don't care just put me in the sled i'm gonna do what i need to do you know it sounds like a dream scenario right is olympics in tokyo followed by olympics in beijing have you have you thought much about that there's a very quick turnaround after this tokyo time period for for beijing um but it sounds like it's a challenge that you're up for oh yeah like we we wouldn't have gone into this not realizing what the challenge is and what's at stake um, we've written it all out. So we've worked from Beijing all the way back to now. Um, so everything I'm doing is preparing me and propelling me to, to be ready for whatever comes at me. Um, so hopefully we'll be successful in both. Um, if not, one or the other would be nice. Um, uh, but right now we're shooting for both. And yeah, it's a quick turnaround. I think it's six months in between Tokyo and Beijing. Um, let's see, July, August, September, October, November, December, January, six and a half months. Um, but I mean, it's it's never been done before, but there's always a time for something to be done, and I think I can do it. So, yeah, yeah, I think I'm best suited to do it. And then, and and I know you're aware of this as well, right? When Lauren Williams wins wins her medal, I believe she was the first U.S. African American woman to win it. You'd be the first right. to appear for bobsled just just to be on the team, right? In the Olympic Games, uh, where does that sit in your mind as far as being being a trailblazer in that way? There's nothing wrong with making a little history. Um, I've always been one that um, I've always said that I wanted to leave a legacy, um, whether that be in the sport of track and field or now in the, the sport of bobsled. I think we've accomplished that in track and field. No matter if I win another medal or step on another track, my name will always be cemented in the sport for what I did um, in the 2012 games and then on beyond that. But I think for for me personally, with, with everything that's been going on in society, um, whether it be athletically or just, you know, just in general population, I think it would be something good for people to look up to and, and see and be inspired by um, that there's not many African-American athletes in our sport, in the sport of bobsled. So that's, that's already one thing. And then to go and to, to stand upon a podium with my teammates and to make history and to know that they helped me get there. Uh, would be would be a great testament, and I, I'd be I'd be 
very honored to to hold that spot and to make that history and to hopefully you know set a standard for people of color not just african americans but people of color to 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 try different things and to go for what you want to go for and not just because it doesn't look right for you so yeah you hit on other business interests and just looking at your social media you're sharing a lot about bitcoin and and different things uh in that world it's it's one that admittedly is very foreign to me i know that it's uh becoming more and more popular but what what has drawn you into that and where do you hope to go in that area yeah so um one of my good friends and he's actually married to one of my cousins his uh name is we call him i'm so first that's his his little name or whatever but uh quavis heart or quavis heart some people call him quavis i call him quavis um he started the bitcoin uh black bitcoin billionaires um and they it's it's crazy how many members they have like hundreds of thousands of members um and it's not just african-american people or people of color it's all kinds of people on there um but he told me i want to say before bitcoin came out he was like hey man you need to invest in bitcoin it's gonna be huge it's gonna be huge and i never listened to him i was doing so many different things and uh he finally i finally listened and he put me on and he's giving me great knowledge on on everything as far as like trading and stuff like that and and stock exchange all that good stuff so i kind of bought into that and i've been helping people you know um realize that you know generational wealth is is something that i'm i'm very very big on um i don't want the temporary stuff i want something that's going to last generations and even when my son has kids and his son has kids and i may not be here probably not probably won't be here but um you know just to make sure that you know it's nothing temporary i want stuff that lasts forever so um that's kind of why i got into that stuff both of the sports that you've excelled at, you know, track and now bobsled require, I think in, in some instances, like split second reflexes, right? I think if, if everyone just, just thought of a generic track meet, they would picture, right, the starting pistol going off and everyone's starting and, and taking forward, right? Or in bobsled, right, the push to kind of get going. Is that a developed skill? How, how do you get ready to react at an elite level faster than everyone else? um training um that's all in the training uh, even even now like we do um reaction drills and things like that for our sport of track uh, my coach and i and it, it just carries over into the other sport of bobsled um there's no gun to react to i'm actually the gun if, if you want to be literal about it i'm the yeah. gun because mm -hmm. they go off of me yeah. um so making sure that i stay Again, I said earlier about the repetitions. It's all about dialing in those those moments and making it the same every time. Maybe a little bit faster here if we have a percentage. Hey, let, let's guys, let's just go 70% right here. Okay, well, I need to make sure that my 70% is in line with their 70% or our 70% is going to turn into 50 because we're going to not break the inertia like we should. So it's all repetition. And it's hard to do that when you only have two places to do that, which is Lake Placid and Park City. Yeah. And when it's hot, you can't really have ice tracks. So um it's 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 all honestly it's crazy that uh those guys do that and i know i'm one of those guys now but it's just crazy that the turnaround time of when the season starts and when you race is unbelievable to me um and there's a lot of hard work i don't think people really know how much work uh goes into the sport of bobsled i mean every sport has you know their their troubles and 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 the the time invested and all that stuff but bobsled is just it's totally different. It's, it's unlike anything I've ever done before. 
uh, lifting those sleds over and over. We don't have a pit crew. It's not NASCAR, but it's NASCAR. Um, but we're the pit crew. And it, it's, it's insane that we do all that. And then, oh, hey, and by the way, you need to go down the ice too. And uh, then you need to come back and you need to do it again, but do it faster. Like, it's just insane. But I have so much respect for all of those guys, all the coaches who were former athletes as well. I have so much respect for them. And, and that's why I was like, you know what? When I got the opportunity, I wanted to make sure that they knew that, hey, I'm not just a track guy just trying to come over here and just get a medal. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to learn everything that I can from scratch to make sure that I can put myself in the best position to put everybody around me in the best position. So bobsled is a beast, and I, I love it. I love being a beast, so it's, it's a great fit for me. You, you've really embraced uh, like the identity of being being part of a bobsled team. It, it kind of leads me to, to, to one of my last questions here. But, but during this pandemic time, uh, and I talked about this with a lot of our guests here on the podcast, but people really struggling with what is their identity when the thing that they do has been taken away by the pandemic? So they were an athlete, the sport's gone. They were this, their job closed. When someone asks you, hey, what do you do or or what are you? I mean, you could say track Olympic medalist. I'm a bobsledder. I'm a dad. You know, how how do you handle not just being one thing, even though maybe certain people only know you for that one thing? Yeah. And. And that's tough. It's funny that you say that because I was at practice earlier today and a kid, I went to a different track today because I just wanted to get away. Sometimes I, I'll drive 30 minutes to another track just to get away, change the scenery. So I went to a track that just so happened to be my coach's wife's school. Um, I forgot that she was there. So I roll up and I'm like, oh gosh, she's going to report back to my coach what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, a kid comes up to me. Now I went and speak to her um acknowledge that I'm there is it okay for me to train here blah 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 because COVID is just crazy um and she's like yeah no worries it's okay and her kids are there they're middle school kids and they're training and she I'm walking away and of course I can hear her say you guys know who that is right and she's like giving this whole spiel and then I hear all the gas and then as I'm warming up these kids are coming up to me hey are you that Olympic athlete dude that broke his leg I'm like yeah that's me <laughs> I was like you know I do more than that though right I'm just just saying I'm not being rude and he was like, oh, really? I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm more than an athlete. And we've heard that term before or that phrase, but it's never been more real than now, especially after COVID, because people forgot that sports existed. Um, but they they still remember what you do. And especially for me, I can't go anywhere without that story coming up. And it's bittersweet. It's like, well, not bittersweet. It's, it, it's, it's positive and negative. It's like, I don't want to talk about it all the time. But again, at the same time, here I am earning a new fan or or maybe I'm helping this person by, you know, talking to them because you never know what people are going through. Um, so it, you know, you get, you get tired of it, but for me personally, I always say I'm just an entrepreneur because I feel like there's nothing that I can't do and there's nothing that I won't do that I put my mind to. So um, if it goes from public speaking to um, being a dad, like that's my number one job. Like I love that. That's, that's like top tier. Nothing supersedes that ever. Um, but I like being the dad that does all those different things, but I like being dad first. So I don't know. I, I usually just say I'm Kai's dad and people get it because they know him more than they know me. So, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for telling the story again. Uh, I know I'm the latest person to ask you about 2012. So oh, no, nah, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, we close these out with uh, the same the same three questions uh, we ask all of our guests. Uh, we'll start first with uh, Manny. What's something you've done just for you lately? Just for me, um, 
I've taken more time to read and and to plan out what's going to happen after the sports are done. I've been I've been really really investing in that, um, just putting in the time, making plans, and going over it with my team, and you know just making sure that all my steps are lining up to to be where I want to be because I don't want to transition right when it's over. I want to start transitioning right when I'm on my way out, so to speak. So that way it's a it's a more fluid transition and I'm like ready and prepared to to do what it is that I want to do. So I've been taking a lot of time for myself. Do you have a sense of how much longer you want to be an athlete in either track or bobsled? Uh I think this will be the last go around for track. I I just don't see another two and a half years. I just my body is breaking down on that on that side. I, I'm pretty sure I probably could, but I'd much rather chase him around than, than chase other other gold medals around or whatever the case may be. Gold, bronze, I'll take bronze. I don't care. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I'd, I'd much rather he, – he's eight years old now. He'll be nine in November. So I'd much rather just invest into, in more into him. Not that I don't already, but I'm just ready to, to be full-time dad, put it like that. And then what's what's something you've done for someone else lately? Ooh, for someone else, um, just been there. I think um, not to go into like full details, like oh, I did this or I did that. A lot of people have been struggling, and I, I get a lot of messages on social media, um, and I, I try to answer all of them. Sometimes it's kind of it's kind of hard to do that, but just being there in the moment for people that are, are going through a struggle or something like that. And all they want to do is just hear from you because they look up to you. I think that that's important. And not, our, not every athlete is going to be able to do that or, or has a desire to do that because maybe they don't know how to react to those types of, of actions. But for me personally, being accessible, being more accessible, being more open, I think has been um, not only fruitful for the people receiving it, but for me as well. Like I get blessings from that as well. So I would say to answer the question is just just being there, being there for people. No, it's huge. I, I, people have needed that more than ever before over the over this last year and a half. Just someone to to be a sounding board, right, of some kind. Right. Um, and then and then last, what's when you want to unplug from the training and from the commitments and everything else? What do you turn to that kind of lightens the mood and makes you laugh? Makes me laugh. Um, I'm always watching like my shows and my movies. I try to catch up on them because I usually don't catch them live because I'm asleep because they want to play stuff after nine o'clock. Um, so I'll catch them the next day. Or if I really, really want to unwind, I might have a little drink every once in a while. Um, turn on some music. Music is like right there for me. I miss the live shows. I miss the live music. Um, Cause that's, that's my, that's my jam for sure. Um, but just sometimes even just driving away, luckily here in Asheville, we have beautiful mountains that, you can go up on the parkway and just kind of unwind and just take in nature and take in, you know, God's blessings and all that stuff. So um, I, I do that quite often. And then of course, if there is a masseuse available, your boy's the first one on the table. So <laughs> to all my masseuses out there, massage therapists, all the chiropractors, I love y'all. Please, please see me. <laughs> what's the, what's the next live concert you'd love to go see? Uh, Snarky puppy. Snarky uh, puppy. Yeah, they're a jazz infusion band. Okay. Look it up. Snarky okay. Puppy. Snarky you puppy. will not be disappointed. I promise. Good stuff. Hey, Manny and Mitchell, appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck, hopefully, in Tokyo and then Beijing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.